Hi there and welcome to another edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is brought to you by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 126 of the Jersnet Podcast. I'm your host tonight, I'm Colin Armstrong. Uh, as I say to you every week, guys, it's not just the, the pod that we have here at Jersnet. Uh, we have, we have uh, the forum, there's articles, uh, Frankie's got his social media, there's a history archive on the website, so get yourself onto the Jersnet website, forums and all that stuff if you get the opportunity. Uh, if this is the first time that you've listened uh, to the pod or, or watched us here on YouTube, we would ask you to, sub- to subscribe, put the word out there on social media that we're here. Uh, and, and what we're doing. We've over 4,000 subscribers now, guys, so thanks to everyone who's subscribed so far uh, and for sticking with us. The pod is live tonight. It's a Sunday night. No Rangers uh, game over the weekend, so we'll be looking at other things that have been happening through the week. So it's been a long weekend, but we're live here on the Sunday night, uh, but the, the, the pod will be available to stream and download on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher and Spotify. Uh, and now that gumps out the road, I can introduce my guest. And just so everyone who's tuning in tonight knows, my IT is absolutely, it's just been a nightmare. Uh, my screen actually froze during my intro there. Uh, best laxative I've ever known. Uh, so I'll bring in, I'll bring in uh, David and Doogie, guests tonight. Uh, David, how are you? How have you coped with no Rangers this weekend? Yeah, okay. I've been forced to watch a bit of English football, which, as we were discussing off air, has been... Um Purgent. You know, ah, terrible. Um, I'm a bit concerned by how good um, Diggy's camera and lighting is tonight uh, compared to ours. He's, he's also put a Rangers top on, so um, I think he's just trying to make a fool of you and I, but there you go. That's good that, to have a that, look. Let's, let's be honest, David. That's no difficult. That's no, not a hard thing to do. <laughs> and after after having to provide a statement last week to back up my uh, ridiculous claims during the Dundee United game, I'm coming back with my tail between my legs this week, so I'm hoping I'm just going to play easy, simple passes tonight. <laughs> find my way through the game. <laughs> that's that's a, that's the best policy. It was an impressive statement, by the way. I think there may be a job for for your Rangers PR at, at some point in the future. I must admit, uh, when Ross read it out, an impressive statement. And we've also got Doogie, who does have impressive lighting. It has to be said. Uh, you can see everything there. Nice top. I've got one of those myself. Actually, my, my wife bought me one of those. She was she was my girlfriend then. We weren't long out when she she got me one of those, and I've still got it. So, how are you doing? I am very well. As you said, a, a strange weekend of not having any Rangers to watch. Well, I'm with David. I tried to watch the Man United Chelsea game, and it was as you said, turgid. And I also had to spend time with my family instead because we didn't have a Rangers game to watch. It's just it's not right. No, and and you are uh, you're you're returning after a period of, uh, well, no, say it's COVID related. It's it's uh, it's father related. So how's how's new baby settling in? The baby's good. Wife has just taken her upstairs so that we're not interrupted with any screaming babies tonight. Does does the baby's room have as impressive lighting as you do? Were you? Well, do you know what? It's actually a brand new light, so I feel I feel pretty complimented right now. My new my new background from the last time. I, I actually had an incident. My lighting is pretty poor. I have my iPhone sellotape to the back of my laptop here. That kind of helps my lighting. And uh, I think, I, I and I was I was doing the show the other day. It fell off. So if you actually watch the show the other day, <laughs> uh, my, you can actually see the moment where my my, my iPhone just sort of disappears behind my laptop there, uh, and my face becomes even darker, which is I suppose it's beneficial for the viewers, but. <laughs> uh, I, it's a very amateur setup at my house, I must admit. Uh, guys, obviously, no no game this weekend. Nothing, nothing to talk about in terms of uh, you know the, the league uh, sort of campaign at the moment. Although I, I strongly feel that 
we'll get over the line next Sunday. I have a feeling that we'll win on Wednesday night, we'll win next Saturday, and I think Dungeon United might just take points off them. I think they're playing on a Sunday, aren't they? So I think Dungeon United might just take points off them. And I think it was you I said to you on the, the WhatsApp, David, Sunday the 7th was when I thought it was going to happen. We'll find out. But no game to talk about this week. Uh, so I thought we would look at the... Uh, the, the Antwerp game for Thursday night to sort of start us off. Uh, David, I'll, I'll come at you first. This, when we done the preview pod, I think it was myself and John that, that done the preview pod last uh, Wednesday night for, for the Antwerp game. And he said his heart couldn't take a, a game similar to the one the, the week before. <laughs> so you fear for John, really, you know what I mean? I've, I've not heard from him for a few days and I, 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 I have a feeling that he's uh, in ICU somewhere hooked up to some sort of heart monitor. Yeah, it was um, it was interesting last week. I, I hadn't really thought about the game, you know, properly because I felt like the week before had taken so much out of me. And I thought, you know what, four away goals, you know, what could go wrong? And then um, I watched a bit of you and you and John through the week, forced myself through that, uh, and then I, actually the, the first thing that kind of got me thinking about the game and about the fact of how close it was was um, Alan Aikman, who's a, a friend of the show. Um, on Twitter had replied to Frankie's tweet putting out your pod and he'd said you know this isn't over you know they'll come here with a few players but and I thought Jesus he's right enough you know there was only a goal in it and uh, what a game and even you know it was a strange one because I know we'll come on to the, the final details but obviously we scored and then I thought right good that's that was set me down and then they score and then I just, I just felt really uncomfortable and it wasn't until we scored the fourth goal that I was like, right, that's us now. 3-1, I thought, brilliant. Thank God. And then they yep. score straight away and you straight think, away, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> um, and I was, I, I, but, but I thought actually after after they scored the second, we were pretty comfortable beyond that. Um, but yes, I, I did make the most of, I was off on holiday uh, last week, so it did drive me to drink and I found myself sitting here at 12 o'clock Texting you and uh, watching random videos of Paul McCartney on YouTube. So uh, it was a good night all round. I was, I was I was rewatching the game again by that point. So yeah, yeah, it did. It led to an interesting evening. Dougie, uh, I, I mean, in terms of the game, you know, I, I, I think we all felt fairly comfortable that we, we were going to progress. You know, four away goals. You know, I, I know it was sort of end to end stuff. And we got off to the best possible start, really. You know, some some great pressing from Haji and Ken, set up tidy we finish uh, for, for, from Morelos, who was impressive all night. It has to be said, probably his his best game this season. And and Dave is right at that point. You know, we, we, thank God, well that's it. It's done and dusted. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't how it turned out. Yeah, for me, it was the the best high of the the round in the Europa League. Um, I certainly wouldn't get bored of watching Rangers versus Antwerp four times a season either. Um, as you say, first first goal well worked by um, the pressing from Hadji um, initially. And that's what we're all about. We, we, we're a very um, high-pressing team. That's where we get a lot of success. Um, for me, though, it was great to see Kent getting an assist for Morelos, who then scored, because at the beginning of the season, one of my biggest criticisms about Kent and Morelos in particular was the lack of link-up play. And he's seen it with that goal. I know we're going to come on to the, the goal of the night, but it was brilliant to see the two of them really connect in the game. I thought their, their interplay was brilliant. Um, Kent immediately looked up to play that pass to Morelos when he, when he won it. And it was a lovely finish from Morelos, who, as you see, it was his best game of the season. And for me, 
Alfredo Morelos is a top European striker. You know, I, I tweeted after the game, there was a lot of people wanting to bite the hands off of Lille um, to, to, to take the £16 million that was offered apparently in the summer. That game in particular showed what a quality player Alfredo Morelos was. And not just that goal, but throughout the game, I thought he led the line perfectly. And um, I, he, really showed, he really showed his qualities. Yeah, he seems to be up on it in Europe. And there, there, there maybe is a bit of the whole, uh, you know, putting himself in the short window thing about it. Because I think we felt for a, for a couple of seasons now that Morelos would move on. And it, it hasn't happened. He's still there. Uh, and I do. I think I, I thought he was impressive all night. Easily his best performance. Uh, they 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 just they, they couldn't live with him. Uh, David, the, the equaliser. Uh, you know that, that, that the first moment in the game where, you know, of a few moments in the game where we all had sort of squeaky bombs. You know, Balogun was obviously playing it right back because of the situation with Taff. He's injured, and because of the, the situation with uh, with Nathan Patterson, who we'll come on to speak about. And Lukaku, towards the end of that first half, he was given Balogun a, a bit of a tough night, and it was, you know, he set up, he set up the goal. Uh, was it? How do you pronounce his name? Rafaelov, and you know, quite an easy finish. The one thing that got me about the goal, and the one thing I'm sort of looking to question here because I think it's it's crept up in the pod a couple of times recently, and it's something that I think is is a sort of weakness in his game. Just before the the, the goal, you you can see Holander pointing to him coming in saying somebody got on him and it looks to me like it's it's Joe Aribo and it's not the first time that we've commented on the show about Joe Aribo being you know three or four yards off he's he's man you know he's he's not he's not chasing his runners essentially uh, is that an issue I mean I'd, we've had players like that in the past the one that comes to mind for me is Alberts he was always one that Dick Advocate used to dig up about he's you know he wasn't good enough at coming back and a bit slack on his defensive duties but, you know, you were getting a lot of goals out of Albert. So I thought you were getting more at the other end of the park to sort of allow for that and just say, well, you know what, other guys are maybe going to have to do a wee bit more running because we get enough from Alberts up front. Is it the same for Aribo? Do you think he's worthwhile having in there? Because I do think there is an issue with him defensively. I think he's slack at picking up runners. But is it worthwhile having him in the team anyway because it does provide that better option up front? You know, he, he gives you goals. He creates moments of magic. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, and I, actually I've, I've discussed this point. I think um, Aribo is one of the most unique players in Scotland, you know, in, in the sense of I don't think anyone has the attributes that he has in the way he carries the ball, the way he takes the ball past players, the way he can really have, he's got that wee bit of magic. And actually, you know, he's a player that perhaps we've called out for for five years, you know, since, since Warburton was there as well. It was always that we that number 10, that that guy that could slip the passes through that we lacked. Um, I don't think defensively he's, he's, he's great, but, you know, as you say, he gives us so much. He's such a fantastic player, he really is. He's the sort of guy that, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but he's the sort of guy I would pay to go and watch because he's just unbelievable. And I think he showed that on the Sunday against the United. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's slack and it's, it's disappointing. that It was a disappointing goal to give away. Um but it's one of those that Gerard and the coaching staff will have to look at and see just how it came about, how it, how it turned out that Aribo was the man that had to track that runner. And I think um, from his point of view, we don't want him, you know, I think against Celtic in January was the game where it really stood out to me, Aribo's sort of, um, I suppose, lack of capability in terms of defensively. And 
and that game he got the run around a wee bit in the first half and it's just not doesn't come natural to him he spends a lot of time trying to dig in with slide tackles and stuff when when you know he maybe doesn't need to maybe he just needs to get himself in a better position I think the other night was just lackadaisical and I think but he's one of those guys that's probably always got half an eye on if this ball breaks I'm going to go so yeah, that's yeah. probably been the case there that he's thought right if he gets this in and the defender gets it away I'm off and then he's just he's just fell asleep and the guy's running and scored it actually which didn't really get spoken about nice wee finish from the guy I thought it was, yeah. I, I was actually really impressed with him he was a good player yeah, I was, I was surprised I, he's 35 I did, well no I did the old classic I did the old classic thing the second half after a few cans and I thought he's a player we, we should sign him. him and then I went to look he's nearly old so, enough to get a game at your fives <laughs> <laughs> um, but no I, uh, listen it, it's one of those things you, you sort of look back at a game now and you think well who cares you know <laughs> but I, I, I agree I think there's certainly um, there's, a, there's a thought process that Aribo's defensive capabilities aren't quite as good but Going forward, for me, he's, he's unbelievable and, and certainly I think he will make us a lot of money one day as well. Dougie, the, the, the right-back thing, you know, they get the equaliser and then it seemed to me that they were targeting uh, Balogun in that position, you know, and getting a little bit of joy. You know, Lukaku was, was starting, he had him on toast for a wee bit there in the last 10 minutes. Uh so cue the most interesting moment of the night. You know, the, the first sort of sign that it was an interesting evening was when I saw the team sheet and I saw that Patterson and Zungu were on the bench. That sort of, okay, that's an interesting one. Uh, and then I don't think any of us were too surprised when, when Patterson came on because I think there was a feeling that, you know, we were getting a bit sort of targeting that right-hand side. But I don't think anyone expected um, to make an impact within 16 seconds of coming onto the park in such a dramatic impact, you know, scoring. Uh, I, I mean... It just shows you how sort of fickle fans are, you know. I mean, I, I, like twenty four hours before, I was saying, "Oh, he's done. Get him out." You know, what I mean, don't want anything to do with him. And then, you know, sixteen seconds into the second half, I'm jumping about my living room, screaming, "Go on, son, get in there!" <laughs> uh, so, I mean, a big moment for the boy. I mean, and, and what, what impact do you think that'll have? You know, on him as a, as, as a character and a player through what he's been through, and does it now, you know, present him with a future at Ibrox? Is that the first sort of building block and, and rebuilding his career at Ibrox? Hollywood could not have scripted that, could it have? Um, what an impact. I think it was 16 seconds from coming off uh, from the, the start of the, the second half. Um, I don't think he could have quite believed the chance it came to him. Brilliant pass from Morelos that set him through. Um, but you've got to compliment the finish because there's, there's a run in the energy for him to get into that position initially. But there's a composure. You know, you've just mentioned he's a young boy. He's... he's He's went through a pretty tough period in his, his early football and career with the the spotlight that's been 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 put on him, um, rightly so because of his own behaviours and actions. Um, but he's in that position in a big game, one each, and and it's a cracking finish across the face of goal. Keepers not get any chance. You know that keeper was was howling. I'm sorry, his name's Wolf. Um, <laughs> bad pun. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Aye, sorry. <laughs> the, 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 the keeper was seen in the first line. I was actually going to pick you up and say, no, it was the other guy that was howling. But then, uh, it was, then, then I realised you're talking about the wolf. Right, okay, sorry, anyway. Yeah, bad, bad one. But uh, aye, great, 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 um, great goal from Patterson. One of the things that you touched on there was Balligan um, in the first half. Balligan for me... Um, 
he had a very poor game. He had a good, he had a poor first half. Um, he looked really uncomfortable in the right back position. It's not his natural position, although he's played it before, mainly in Germany. You mentioned Lukaku. For me, what Balogun was doing was was um, was dropping really deep. That allowed Lukaku to sit further up the pitch, which which brought the pressure onto us. He also sat really um, really tight to the centre backs. I think he, he felt more natural, more central in the pitch, which meant that Lukaku got a lot of space in that right hand side. And when Patterson came on, I think it was much more balanced and he looked much more comfortable in that position. And when you said that, I, I do agree. I think the Antwerp players started to target Balogun through the first half. And I think they stopped targeting Patterson in the oh, second sure. half. Yeah. And when they, when, they, when they stopped targeting a 19-year-old, that, that means you've, you've, you've put in a good shift. But in terms of his career itself, raw emotion um, when he scored that goal, um, I think it was a massive sense of relief. I thought he was going to burst out crying, to be honest, and I thought he was going to burst out crying when he was walking off the pitch as well. I think he knew himself that he's let he's let himself down. He said it in his, his video that was behind the paywall of RTV, that he let himself down, the manager down, his teammates down, but his family down. His family are massive Rangers fans, and I think I think he had a lot to go out and prove and to make up to a lot of people. Um, I think he, he knew that he had to go in that second half and, and make up to his teammates, and after 16 seconds, he certainly did, and you asked a question about his future. For me, Nathan Patterson does have a future at the club. Um, I wasn't surprised to see them on the bench. And the reason why I wasn't surprised is because we've got so few options. Um, and I'd much rather have the, the three party boys on the bench than, than three young players that wouldn't have been able to come off the bench in such an important Europa League game. It's then up to these players to go and grab the, the opportunity that's been presented to them in the, the latter part of the, 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 the season. And, and show the manager that, you know, they are sorry. They, they, they do want to make it up to them and they are good enough to be here. And for me, Nathan Patterson proved that he certainly does want to be here and he's certainly good enough to be here. I mean, you said there Nathan Patterson was close to his tears. He wasn't the only one. I think the whole Celtic Twitter, <laughs> he was in tears when he scored. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was much howling going on there, I can assure you. Uh, David... On to the moment of, of, of the night for me, the, the, the third goal. And it's not the first time we've scored this type of goal this season. And, and I think it shows, you know, when uh, th- th- there's been accusations with, with some justification that we're a little bit inconsistent at the moment and we, we don't produce the top moments. But when we do, we are a, a top, top football inside. I mean, a, a good ball into uh, Hadji. The way he took it and turned, I, I think, could be the moment of the move. You know, because he takes two or three guys out of the equation straight away, he just turns, plays it off to Morelos. Morelos has the guy on toast, gets past him, cuts it into Kent. I mean, everything about it is... I mean, if if, if, you, if they'd done that in the Scottish Cup against Cowdenbeath, you would be saying it was a great goal. But, you know, it's in the Europa League against, uh, you know, very good opposition. You know, top, top stuff. And I think when, when I see moments like that, those are the moments that make me think that we can actually go fairly far in this tournament. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned that um, that Hadji turn, and I think Hadji has got that in his locker. He's 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 a funny one because I I wasn't his biggest fan last season or um, at the start of this season. <clears throat> there was just some I, I don't know if it was a lack of confidence actually, and I don't think he's a a shy boy, but it was it seemed like his confidence had taken a bit of a knock, and obviously then came out of the team. Um, but he's got that touch of class, you know. That little night was just brilliant. And and the the other one that comes to mind straight off from the top of my head is against Hibs in the two all drawn in September when he sort of ball came to him in the box and he's played it to Arfield first time for the goal. Yeah. 
just the sort of thing that you don't see from players in Scotland very often. And I think he's still got a lot of improving to do as a player. I think he 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 would probably say that himself. But you know, he certainly got that that big big game mentality, which I like. You know, he came out against Celtic, did well. He's he's played well in Europe since the turn of the year. Um, so yeah, that that was great. I think. It's good to see Morellas and Kent link up uh, like that because, you know, Morellas hasn't always been the most composed in the box and, and oh, could be greedy, if, if, for want of a better term, um, and take shots on from all angles. You know, he showed a bit more maturity there. He's he's, he's cut it back. And Kent, Kent, for me, recently has been, been outstanding. I love watching Ryan Kent. He's a, he's a player. You know, I'm not a massive fan of wingers generally, especially ones... Um, that do a lot of fancy stuff and don't really have much end product. For me, Ryan Kent is, is the opposite to that. I think he's just outstanding. I love players that just want the ball all the time and he's a guy that demands the ball and that's that's the big thing and I think when you play for Rangers or any other big club, you've got to demand the ball and I think Ryan Kent um, took maybe three months at the start of his Rangers career and then beyond that, you know, the first old firm game of that season, that first season, since then, he's always been one that stood up and been counted. You know, he can go through patches of form where he doesn't he doesn't play well or he, he's not producing to his best ability, but he never stops demanding the ball. Tavernier's another one, but you know, both guys always demand the ball, always standing up and being counted. And I think Kent was a great run, great finish. And I thought the other night again. I mean, he was the one that really got the the ball rolling uh, early doors. He didn't score the goal, but he forced the keeper into a good save. We're short from the edge of the area. Um, and again, I thought he was fantastic. And I think he's going to just get better and better. And hopefully we can hold on to him in the summer because I think there'll be there'll be teams sniffing about him. And to finish off, you know, as, as, as David mentioned earlier on there, you know, we go 3-1 up and we think that's us. We can breathe a sort of sigh of relief. And then they go right up the park again and score. And, and, and there was sort of a feeling that it was a mistake between Goldson and uh, McGregor, I don't think it has. I just think it's a great ball, and the, and the guy gets it first, and you know they, they get the goal. But I, I think it's testament to this Rangers side that we kept going again, and, and I sort of spoke about that in the first leg. You know, when we were three-two down, we kept going to get the third. You know, we're brave. You know, a lot of teams would settle for three-two away from home in Europe. You know, I think well, that's not bad. We've got two away goals; uh, it's in our hands. But you know, we kept going for the third, and then when we got the third, we kept going to get to get the fourth and to get the winner. And it was kind of like that on, on Friday, you know, it went 3-2 and, you know, maybe a lot of teams would have went, you know what, let's try and shut up shop here, we're through as it is. But no, we went again, got the penalty, uh, which Borna, hat-trick of penalties over the two two ties. Uh, and very nice of him to give Big big E-10 big e a chance to get a goal as well. And overall, you know, my sort of view of it, you know, the, the sort of negativity that, that sort of came out of some of the Scottish journalists, you know, when the draw was made on Thursday saying, you know, well, Rangers can't concede the amount of goals they've conceded if they, if they want to get through. But my point is, well, we scored nine. No one seems to be saying that, you know, that we scored nine over two legs. Why is no one focusing on that? You know, and I think that's what we should be focusing on. We, Yeah, we conceded a few, but, you know, if you're going to score five, we'll score nine. Oh, and I think we're watching a very special team at the moment. I really do. You, you've got the 2008 top sitting behind you. I'd go as far as saying as this team is better than the team that reached the UEFA Cup final of 2008. And, and people can discuss that on the forum. Um, interested to get people's views, but there's a lot of people, there's, there's, there's very few players in that 2008 team that make 
into the, the current Rangers team that it's that it's that good. In terms of the point around the goals, um, there was 14 goals in total across the two legs. That averages out a goal every 12 minutes. Um, to, to your point there, you, you know, you can criticise the defending, and, and I'll be honest, we need to defend better as we want to progress further in the Europa League. But if we score, <laughs> if we score nine goals um, in the two That's games, my point. Yeah. then, you, you know, we're going to go through. If you score that many goals, you're going to go through, but um, we do need to be a bit better because there are going to be games where we're not going to be able to create as many chances as um, as we did um, against uh, against Antwerp. Um, I said we watched a special team. We're led by a special manager. Um, I seen I seen some stats on on Twitter about Steven Gerrard's record in Europe, and it's second to none. You know, he's he's now played forty three games in Europe. Um, we've won 24 of those. It's a, a win rate of just over 55%, 56%. It's the second best in Scottish football history. But if you take into equation the, the weighting of it, um, given we've lost so few, he's got the best ratings. He's got the best stats of any manager in Scottish football history to play in Europe. Now, you can't compare him to the likes of Walter Smith for several reasons. One, where he's managed 43, Walter Smith managed 79. Steven Gerrard's never managed in the Champions League. Obviously, Walter Smith has, so you can't you can't compare like for like. But Steven Gerrard's Rangers team in in Europe are relentless. You know, he said it pre-match. He wanted his team to go into that game thinking that it's a brand new game. We're not ahead in the first leg. Let's go out and win this game. And I think you've seen that mentality from the first whistle right to the end. We wanted to score more goals. We wanted to win that game convincingly. And the last comment that I would make: you mentioned Barisic giving the second penalty to Eton. Borna Barisic is a player that's that's really stepped up for me in the last 18 months. The, the, the Borna Barisic that, that we signed was fairly timid. Um, and you look at the, the first leg, he's, he's he's almost squaring up to the goalkeeper after he he, he scores yeah. the penalty. And then and then in that one there, um, you know, when, when he gets a chance to score a second and he gives it to Eten, and, and in his words, he says he gave it to Eten because he's a young striker that needs the confidence. That's leadership qualities, um, and, and I'm delighted to see that from, from Borna um, because, you know, we need a lot more than one captain on the pitch, and when, when Tav's not there, it's good to see guys like Borna really stepping up. They certainly stepped up in the first leg once Tav went off. You know, everyone came down that that left-hand side, no doubt about it, and he, he stepped up with three goals, you know what I mean? All right, there were penalties, but, you know, he's, he's took them well. I quite like to see the thing with the keeper. Uh, I quite like that there was a Celtic fan put on Twitter, you know, they put, they put a video of, you know, Borna squaring up with the keeper. And he says, oh, I wonder what people would be saying if, if Scott Brown had done this. And the first <laughs> reply was, well, you know, if it was your mob, you, you would call it the Borna and talk about it for the next 10 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> I saw a reference could... to Scott Brown, you know. Uh, well, if only they could get that far in Europe in the first place. Yeah, well, we'll no we'll get into that. Uh, guys, before we, we move on, we'll have a wee chat about the... the uh, the draw and who's coming up. But speaking about Borna Barisic there takes me nicely on to the football prizes uh, that's available at the moment. We have a Borna Barisic signed uh, shirt and boot. No, it's just a boot. Sorry, I'm reading this wrong. Uh, signed boot of Borna Barisic. Now, you know how this works. It's, it's £4.95. Uh, 99 tickets are available. Uh, so if you fancy the chance to win that on football prizes, get yourself onto Frankie's website or go to www 
footballprizes.co.uk. As I said, these things tend to go quite uh, quite quick, guys. You know, the, the 99 tickets tend to go quite quick. Uh, the closing date for the competition is this Wednesday, the 3rd of March at 7.30pm. So if you want a chance to win a pair of uh, Bonabarasic's frame boots, then get yourself on to football prizes and see how you get on. Uh, guys, on to the draw. Uh, Slavia Prague. Now, this time last year, you know, we got... Uh, the German mob, who was it, remind me? Leverkusen. Leverkusen. Bayer Leverkusen. And I think we all thought, you know, we had a chance, but I think realistically we felt that it was maybe going to be, uh, you know, an ask too much, and that was that was certainly the case. David, I'll come to you first. You know, I mean, this team, they were in the group stages of the Champions League last season, finished bottom of their group, uh, but they were behind uh, Barcelona, Dortmund and, and Milan, which is a group and a half that, by the way. Uh, but they made the quarterfinals of the, the Europa League in 18-19. Having a wee look at their, their stats prior to that, they've not really had much sort of European action, you know, long periods you know, you're not qualifying for Europe. So, you know, a decent team. They've had a couple of decent runs in Europe, you know, got to a quarterfinal, got into the Champions League group stages, which is where it's at, I suppose played against some big names but I mean I don't know how you're feeling but for me this feels like you know a better opportunity to get to the quarterfinals than, than Bayer Leverkusen presented us with last season to me that's I mean I think it'll be tight and I think Steven Gerrard will go into it with the same mentality as we give them respect and all that kind of thing but this, to me this is a winnable tie Yeah I would agree with that I think um, you know Leverkusen last season let's not forget there was a couple of different things with that tie we were in shocking form um, at that point domestically, uh, really falling off a cliff. I think we'd been put out by Hearts in the Cup a couple of weeks before that first leg, uh, Ibrox. That was this wasn't much a contest really. They were they were far too good. But then also, what we can't forget is you know the Kai Havertz who went for 100 million to Chelsea in the summer. They had Leon Bailey, another good player. Um, they had a lot of talent in that team. Uh, Slavia Prague, I think, will be a tough tie, but as you say, you know, it's, it's it's a difficult one because, you know, when you look at it, we could have get Man United or or Tottenham or Arsenal or AC Milan, and they're a bit more sort of they create a bit more noise, you know, and there's a bit more yeah. fanfare about that, and then it's a it's a bit more battle of Britain and all that, Tash. Um, <laughs> so there have been a lot more pressure in that sense because you'd have been looking at it this big marquee tie you know um, but this one it's a bit it's a bit quieter and I think having watched them and without saying like a raging alcoholic on Thursday again I'd watched it after the Rangers game and I was sort of sort of winding down for the evening um, <laughs> I, I did what I watched the, I watched the first half uh, and they were alright they were pretty good actually and I actually met well obviously saw the sorry I watched the second half Um and the goal they scored was a boy, Provod, who ran, I mean, he was a line midfielder, who, a sitting midfielder, I should say, and ran in the back post, put it in, great great goal, poor defending. And then the boy, uh, Seema, who seems to be the sort of star man, West Ham are looking at him at the moment, um, he scored from 25 yards. And Leicester, I mean, Brendan Rodgers doesn't have a great record in Europe, but Leicester is a good side and got a lot of good players and, you know, that was quite a scalp. Um, and obviously there was no no draw over there, so I think it's going to be difficult. But I like I like I like the idea that it may be a bit more low key. 
um, then maybe a big name would have been because when you've got a big name there's a lot of pressure that comes a lot of noise that comes from the outside rather than just focusing on the game itself um, so yeah bring it on it'll be good I'm, I'm looking forward to it I, I love watching this in Europe because you know since the turn of the year when we beat Celtic there's been this anxiety and I know you share this Colin because we speak about it all the time but every domestic game, every league game, you're like, oh, Jesus, let's just win. Let's just win. Yeah, yeah. Let's just get this over the line as soon as possible. But in Europe, you just feel a bit more, you know, relaxed going into the games. And then, But then you get a 9-5 aggregate uh, win and <laughs> both games are absolutely mental. But the, you, can, the, the, you can sit and enjoy it. There's a more relaxed atmosphere about the games. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to look at it like an opportunity. You know, I know we joked off air about the top you've got behind you there and... and whether it was a sign for what's going to happen this season. Listen, let's just see where we go. If we win this tie, and it is winnable, but don't get me wrong, I think Slavia Prague will be looking at it thinking result. We can win that as well. Um, but I think it's winnable. Then the next thing you know, you're in the last eight. And if we got to the last eight, what a, what a performance in Europe that would be. Um, so I think we've got to look at it. We've got to relish it. We've got to look forward to it. Um, St. Jean Road in the last 16, you know, it's been incredible. We've, we've spoke of it. You know, Dougie spoke about Gerard's um, record in Europe, which is phenomenal, and has been such a welcome addition to being a Rangers supporter over the last three years. Um, so let's just look forward to it. Let's let's go into it with, you know, optimism, but pragmatism as, as well, because I think it's going to be difficult, but I think it's certainly winnable. I mean, David, before I move on, I mean, in terms of teams we've we've played already, you know, are this team going to be better than Benfica? I thought Galatasaray were a very a very decent team. You know, I think mm-hmm. if they'd got into the group stages, they could have done it. And I, I just don't think they're going to be any better than them that, that, that gives us a chance, in my opinion. Yeah. Do, do you not think we are just suited to playing European football, though? Yeah. Just in the in the way we set up as a team and, and, and the the formation, the players we've got, we're just a good European side. And I think, you know, Benfica was so frustrating. And that was, that was as down as I felt this season after that game. At Benfica, I think the home game is one of those. It was sort of they just dominated the last twenty minutes or whatever and got two goals. The one in Benfica was our own mistake led to that, you know, three-three draw, and that was a real crushing blow because you you were just felt like at one moment in that game we were I think we were three-one up and you're thinking, wow, what a result this is going to be. Then you get three each and you're just a bit like, ah, that's an opportunity missed. So. I'm, I think I think you're right. I think your question's correct. I think we probably have played teams that have got more expensive players and p- perhaps are better teams. But I think this Prague side, you know, they're 11 points clear in the Czech League. Um, they're, a, they're a good side. And I think they'll be organised and they'll be hard to beat. And it's up to us to, to, to get the goals we need. But obviously, we were told before the Antwerp game that they were a well-organised side that were hard to beat and yeah. you know, look what happened there. By a journalist. A journalist who <laughs> said there, there won't be any goals. You know, the two <laughs> teams don't concede a lot of goals. Aye, aye, him. We'll have a word with him, I think, at some point. <laughs> In terms of the, the, the draw as a whole, you know, there's a, a couple of big clubs are sort of, or, and also difficult teams in that sort of Prague sort of mould. You know, teams that you would maybe think not the biggest name, but would maybe present a, a, a challenge. Some of these teams are facing each other off, so 50% of them are going to go. You know what I mean? If we do negotiate this tie, you know, we really are in, you know, we are in 2008 territory. We are in a position, I mean, I mean, this is, a, if, we, if we get through, this is the furthest Rangers event 
since my son started watching Rangers. And he was sort of asking the other night, well, do, do, do you think we can win it? And I was like, well, in my experience, when, when you get to the quarterfinals, it's on. You know what I mean? And if you get to the semifinals, it's on even more. You know what I mean? Every step that you take gives you more belief. Uh, and every every step you take gives you more confidence that you can go all the way. Yeah, the, the challenge was set to the players last season um, that Stephen Gerrard wanted us to go one further than we did last year. We just spoke about the quality of Leverkusen. Slavia Prague are not the level of Leverkusen. But as David said, they're, they're no mugs. You know, you mentioned the, the, they're running um, Europa League in 1819. They were knocked out in the quarterfinals by Chelsea in the end. They're 11 points clear. I love the fact they're sitting on 55 points right now. I just think that's fate. Um, but they're, they're no mugs. They, they played Leverkusen this season. Um, they finished second in Group C of the Europa League behind Leverkusen. But they did beat Leverkusen um, in Prague. So we know they're a good team. They're, they're sitting 11 points clear of, of Sparta, who, of course, beat Celtic this season um, over the two games um, by 8-1 on aggregate. So um, they are a good team, but we could have got a lot tougher draw. Um, you mentioned there about some of the big guns meeting each other, um, so, so-called big clubs. AC Milan versus Man United is a perfect example. You know, when, when Man United was drawn out, I, I was almost hiding because I, did, I didn't want a big draw at this stage because I thought, let's get a winnable game. Some, somewhere we can qualify from. Um, and I wanted the big clubs to draw each other. So, you know, the fact that they've drawn each other means that one of the big clubs is going out. As you start to get into the, the later stages, if, you know, I think it's Shakhtar versus Roma as well. Yeah. One of them. And I, I, Ajax and uh, Young Boys as well, you know, teams yeah. that would give you a hard game, you know. Yeah. If, if one of them gets out, then there's definitely a better pathway for us. But the biggest reason why I was wanting a, a winnable game um and this round is because we will probably still be without Tav, Jack and Ruth. And, and my mindset right now is if we can qualify for the next round, um, get through against Slavia Prague, then these guys will likely be fit again. And our chances then, if we do get pitted against a bigger team like a Man U or an AC Milan, we'll be better prepared for it. Yeah. Do you think uh, Do you think seeing the players celebrating the play, the playing, the, the, the Prague players, do you think that will motivate the Rangers team? Do you know what I was surprised about? I was surprised that when they were asking the team, the players individually beforehand, who they who they wanted, and you obviously had the the typical "We want Man United." It's a glamour tie, but so many of them said they wanted Rangers. I genuinely thought most clubs right now would be looking at us, thinking we want to avoid them. Yeah, they want to avoid so, them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's your your pre-match team talk done, isn't it? Well, I mean, I, I I just think that the fact that they celebrate in that manner is and sort of gives you an impression that they're one looking down in Scottish football as a whole and two sort of looking down on us as if you know, we're, we're, you know we've gone so far and it should be an easy tie for them and I think that you know that's the old Archie Notts thing wasn't it you know you would pin the newspapers up in the, the dressing room notice board to sort of spur the players on and when I seen it I was like woof if I was Steven Gerrard I would be I would be using that uh, and and hopefully hopefully it comes back to, to bite them on the arse uh, David, moving on from the, the sort of Europa League stuff and more domestic stuff, uh, the, the, the Steven Gerrard speculation, is sort of, it's been rumbling for a couple of weeks now. Uh, I, sto- I was reading a story in the Daily Mirror, I think it was either last night or this morning, suggesting that Liverpool are eyeing up Steven Gerrard. There's, there's speculation that Jurgen Klopp is uh, about to move. He's, he's been teed up for the, the, the German national job and that Liverpool 
are looking at Steven Gerrard as a replacement. And I, would, I was just interested in your views on it because, you know, I mean, it, reading it, 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 it seemed to be a lot of speculation rather than, you know, fun facts. You know, it was saying that Lowe was, you know, he would be removed from post if Germany had a poor Euros and that Klopp was favourite and that he wants to take the job. And I, 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 don't, I don't see anything uh, suggesting that. And there, there was sort of rumours about two or three weeks ago before it was announced that Jurgen Klopp's mum had passed away, you know, and he hasn't looked himself of late. I don't think Klopp in interviews and stuff like that. He has looked a wee bit more irritable. You know, he's, he's, he doesn't seem like the same person. And then obviously it was announced that his mum's passed away and he couldn't go to the funeral because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and there was all this sort of stuff going out that Klopp was about to move uh, and, and Gerard was getting teed up. And I, I got in touch with someone I know in Liverpool. And straight away, he's like, that. that's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. You know what I mean? Klopp's quite happy. There's, there's no way he's moving on. So it seemed to me to be more speculation than anything else. Yeah, I think there's a few facets to that, a few different aspects. You look at, you know, if we start with Klopp, he has, his, his team that he's built over a number of years is now just reaching the point where it needs to rebuild. He needs more players. He needs new players. He needs to rebuild the team. He's, he's obviously brought in the boy Quebec, um, who will be a, a centre-half of the future. You know, there's a few players there, but I think it's going to take a big overhaul. I would have thought he would be relishing that opportunity, you know, to build the team again um, around the key players that are already there. So I'd be surprised if, if, if he was going to leave. I don't think Liverpool would sack him. I can't see that either. That was something that was rumoured. Um, in terms of the German national team, I just that's not a natural fit for me. I just don't see that as something that would appeal to him. You know, I, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I keep on top of things. I, I, I read a lot about you know English football, and I'm, I'm under the impression that. Klopp's always said that when his contract comes to an end, he would go on a sabbatical and that would be it. Mm-hmm. So I can't see him leaving Liverpool to go to the German national team. Um, he's a manager who, if he if he announced he was leaving Liverpool tomorrow, I think I think you would find clubs would be like, like laying in the streets for him um, and willing to let go managers they already have. Because he has, you know, out with, you know, you probably put him in Guardiola there is the best in the, in the world at the moment. So, a very strange story, um, but you know, in terms of Gerard's situation, I think you would need to phone up one person in regards to this full thing and ask their opinion on it. And I think that man should, would be Frank Lampard because he took the Chelsea job, which was his dream job, far too early in his career. And for all Chelsea, a basket case at times in terms of management. But see what I would counter that with. Look at the success they've had. You know, despite the managers they've got rid of, the success and the trophies that they've they've managed to get hold of has been yeah. unbelievable. It's been incredible success, and albeit I don't buy it. You know, you get other basket case clubs like um, I don't know. Just <laughs> anyway, yeah, you, you, I lost my train of thought there. Thanks. <laughs> every um, every basket case club successful. That's the same. Uh, but you've you've just went through them all. No, they win well, things. Well, they well, win well, things. They win things. Uh, um, <laughs> But anyway, sorry, I, th- I think, you know, Gerald would have to look at the Frank Lampard situation, which didn't work out, and he, went, he took the job too early. Gerald, I think, would do well to stay at Rangers for at least another year, um, get some experience in the Champions League, because I think that's probably the one thing that he's not got at the moment. 
um, they would need to, to, to go to Liverpool and, and do well. I think eventually we'll go to Liverpool. Um, but when it will be, I think every, from, what I, from what I hear from Gerard and interviews and things like that, you know, he doesn't seem to be very like worried about it. He seems to be very relaxed. And I think he's smart. And I think he's got smart guys around him like Mick Beal and, and Gary McAllister who'll be saying to him, listen, you need to get, you, you know, we, we've still got work to do here. Um, if he was offered it, you know, would he be able yeah. to turn that opportunity down? I don't know. But I think it is a lesson. But I can't see it. For one, I can't see Klopp leaving. Two, I can't see Klopp taking the Germany job. And three, I'd be very, very surprised if even Liverpool see Steven Gerrard as the obvious replacement after such success. That's the next point I'm coming to, Dougie. Uh, and, and the person that I know down in Liverpool, that was the first thing. It, it was the second thing. You know, the first thing was, you know, Klopp's not going anywhere. But the second point he sort of made was, uh, I don't think Gerard's ready yet. You know, that, that was his point. And, and is that how you view it? I mean, I, I, I know we're all loving Steven Gerrard and he's been outstanding this season, especially. Uh, I think what he's done for Rangers puts him, he must be the only manager in the history of Rangers Football Club who hasn't won anything, but who is already probably in a legend status, if you know what I mean. You know, he's not he's not won a trophy yet, but he's, he's already, the way he's, you know, he's, he's, he's He's helped the club recover from from 2012. He's got us back into that European arena. You know, he's gradually just built built the club back up again. You know, from the ashes of, of, of what it was. You know, but is that enough, really? To you know, with Liverpool, given that you know what, what David said there now, you know, you're looking at Klopp and Guardiola as probably the two best managers in the world. Are you going to go from one of the best managers in the world to someone who's spent three years in Scotland? I think firstly, we all knew what we were signing up for when Steven Gerrard became the manager of Rangers. You know, he was always coming in here to get the experience. It was his first um, his first professional management job um, of a first team. So he, he wanted to come here for the experience. And we always knew, one, once he experienced his manning things, he would gain a reputation. And two, always want to manage level. I listened to the Fowler podcast weekend and... Even Gerard said unfinished business Liverpool says he won in the league at Liverpool. Managed Liverpool and English Premier League trophy. That's his best. He wants to go and manage taking this entirely. Definitely, even Gerard said recently in one of the many podcasts that I've listened to, whether it's Robbie Fowler or Jake Humphrey, um, Stephen Gerrard knows he's not ready. And, you know, for me, Jurgen Klopp is one of the best managers in the world, as we've, as we've spoken about. I can't see Liverpool sacking him and I can't see Jurgen Klopp's next move being to the, the German national team so I, personally I think it's paper talk um, I think Klopp's a top manager um, far superior at this stage to, to Steven Gerrard but Steven Gerrard is held in very high regard by um, by Liverpool fans and by Liverpool as a football club so I do think one day he'll go on to manage there but I think he's got a lot more experience to gain you know we're going to win the league, right? We're, we're about to win the league. That's a, that's a big thing. That was the target that, that was set of Steven Gerrard. Um, and it's taken three years to do that. People will will will, will discuss that to, to the depths of whether it's taken three years too long or whether it was always a rebuild process. And I think most realistic Rangers fans realised that we were never going to win the league in year one. Um, it's been a total rebuild. And the transformation from the year that we got knocked out against progress in the Edercon in the Europa League to now is, is massive. So he's 
he, he's developed hugely as a manager. He's, he's, he's finding his own style. But he will want a crack at next season because he'll want a crack at the Champions League. Um, what, what greater platform does he have than Rangers to, to learn his trade before he gets a top club like Liverpool um, in terms of the dream job for him? Because he's going to win the league, which is a target for Liverpool. So he's got through the, what do you need to do to win a league in terms of the consistency over a season? But next season, he's going to have the crack at the Champions League where he's got the pressures of, um, of, of qualifying in Europe, which he's, which he's also proven in the Europa League. So um, for me, he's got a two-year contract left. So has Jurgen Klopp. I don't see that as any coincidence. Yeah. I, I see Gerard being here at least another year, um, retaining a title. That's the aim. Qualifying for the group stages of the Champions League. And we must win a cup next year. For me, that's the, that's the benchmark. When he does that then I'm happy to see him leave, to be honest. You know, he'll leave with my my best wishes. He will go down as a legend at Rangers once we win 55 because of where we've been and how hard it's it's been to get to, to, to where we are now. The biggest thing for me right now that I'm hoping Ross Wilson's role at the club is is, is going to be is, is going to be massively focused on is the contingency of what does happen if Steven Gerrard leaves because on that Robbie Fowler podcast, he described your Mick Beals, Gary McAllister's, Tom Coulshaws of the world as his team. So when he goes to Liverpool, they're all going with him. Yeah. My biggest concern is when they all leave, how do you replace Steven Gerrard? Because um, I watched a video today um, on Twitter that was doing the rounds and Steven Gerrard's a born winner. How do you replace a born winner and the quality of coaches that we have at Rangers right now? It's going to be very tough. And it's a big ask of Ross Wilson. But he proved it. One of my mates, Ewan, said that he proved it at Southampton. Um, when other managers left, whether it was Pochettino, they brought in Cumin, for example, at Southampton. So he was able to he was able to replace like for like almost in a similar style at, at Southampton historically. Um, it's a big task, and I hope we are building because um, we all know the names linked before Gerard took over, and I do not want to see anyone link as we like to Derek McInnes ever again. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll just take Klopp. <laughs> I, I, I believe Neil Lennon's looking for a job right now. We'll go there. Right, guys. Uh, final, final sort of topic for tonight before we wrap things up. Uh, David, I'd, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, I was reading today that there's this proposal. Uh, I, I, I must admit, I was I, I wasn't impressed with the proposal. Or, I wouldn't be for it. I don't think uh, proposal that, that Rangers and Celtic uh, buy their, their, their sort of younger t- 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 <laughs> younger teams. Fraudulent <laughs> 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 slip of the tongue there. Uh, their younger teams, their cold teams, uh, a place in the Scottish pyramid system, right? So they get a, they buy a place into the SPFL uh, structure. They wouldn't be allowed to, to to get promoted to the top tier, but for one point five million, their youth teams get in. Uh, I'm, I must admit, I'm, I'm not convinced. The sort of pros that were being mentioned for this were uh, that a lot of old fun fans would go and watch them, you know, so whoever those teams are playing, they would see an increase in attendances and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I must admit, I, I, I'm not convinced it's a good idea. So, so it'd be interesting to hear your views on it. Is it 1.5 million per tit, or is it? <laughs> per tit. <laughs> <laughs> um, the... It's, it's interesting. I, I know people that have got really strong views on this sort of stuff, and I, I'm not massively yearnay for it. I think it's um, 
I, I don't like the. I, I'm like I, I agree with you. I don't. I don't like the idea that we're buying our way into the the lower leagues and it, it, the way it was being sort of presented in that story today, um, or yesterday, I should say, uh, was like this will come as a massive boost amid the COVID crisis, and you're just a bit like, well, that seems that seems a bit blackmailing, you know, <laughs> like here's yeah. all of the money because you've not got any. Um, what would their players gain out of it? They would gain a, an ability to to play against men, but in saying that, is that is that not what the loan systems for? Well, exactly, you know, exactly. And I think the other thing to add to that is, you know, you're talking about that you wouldn't be get, able to to get promoted to the top tier, but who's saying we would be able to? You know, because these these teams aren't mugs, yeah. you know, and they don't play the sort of football that we would expect our development teams to play. <laughs> There's a lot of things to it. I think, you know, if it's going to help the club and, and it's going to develop the players, then fine. But I thought the interesting thing was Jim McNally from Peter Head's comments in that story. He was saying, um, you know, we are not here to develop the old firm players. And I think that's, I, I agree with that because I, I can see the point. You know, Jim McNally, for instance, and other part-time managers, they're, they're turning up at these training sessions twice a week in the pissing rain to take boys that are coming off the back sh- uh, coming off day shifts, you no, know, uh, just going on to night shifts, they're putting hours in for very little in return, and then you know Rangers and Celtic are paying, you know, a million and a half quid each to put youth teams in the the lower leagues. So uh, I can see why it, it comes about a slap in the face. And I know you're a keen junior football fan, um, and albeit it's not that level, but I mean you you know more about that sort of junior side of things these days than I do. Um, but the, these guys are made up of volunteers and you know um, guys that are given their all for, for very little money so for, for Rangers and Celtic to waltz in with two youth teams and add them into the bottom tier and how bad would it look if, if one of those teams did end up winning the third division or, or League 2 there's no I, I don't really there's not much in that for me um, and then if you, if you say right well they can't win the league then how bad does it look if they do finish top of the table um, but don't win the league in some way and the team that gets promoted do you know what I mean there's no real way of looking at it that to me makes sense Um, but I know it's something that both clubs have been pushing for for a long time if it was up to me I'd probably be voting against it too Dougie, I mean, as, as David pointed out there, I, I, I mean, I go and watch Camelon Juniors. Now, Camelon Juniors have moved from the junior leagues in recent, the last couple of years. They, they've joined East of Scotland, which is part of the pyramid. And Camelon Juniors had to jump. I mean, I, I, first and foremost, I was against it. I, I think the junior league and, and the senior league, I, I quite like it, having it separate. You know what I mean? Moving into the East of Scotland to join this, this pyramid structure, I wasn't quite for it. But that's what the club have done, and that's fair enough. That's up to them. But they had to jump through a lot of hoops to, to, to get through, you know, the, the sort of the protocols that are required of a, of a, of a club that's, that's going to join the, the sort of the SPFL ranks. You know, they had to get, you know, uh, floodlights installed and various bits and bobs. A lot of money and a lot of effort from a lot of people who, as David said, you know, they're not paid, they're volunteers, they're doing this for, for, for the community and for the club. And it took Caelan, you know, three, three or four attempts to, to get in. You know, they were knocked back more than once, but, you know, eventually they got into the East of Scotland and they've been playing in the Scottish Cup, the early rounds of the Scottish Cup and all that kind of thing. And I could just see how those guys would feel if, you know, Rangers and Celtic just walk right past them because they've got a million and a half in their app. 
and and get into the structure that they've been asked to 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 perform all these sort of you know rituals for to get in. It, it just it doesn't seem fair. And another thing that concerns me, like there's a few clubs where um you know you've got Stenhousemuir, you've got East Stirling, you've got Stirling Albion. You know, if one of these Rangers Colt sides were, were, were turning up in Camelon were at home, there's every chance I would maybe go and watch Rangers Colts. You know what I mean? I think, well, I'll see how the young boys are getting on. Therefore, denying Camelon Juniors, you know, revenue and all that kind of thing. So that's my fear as well. Folk that are maybe taking in lower league games, going to junior games and all the rest of it. If one of these teams turn up and they're either a Rangers fan or a Celtic fan, they say, you know what, I'll just go and see that today. I'll no bother going to see my local junior club. I'll go and watch Rangers Colts or Celtic Colts. And the impact that's going to have on and on smaller clubs who really do live in the breadline. So I spoke to two people before tonight's pod um, around the Colts concept because one, my dad um, is quite friendly with someone who's at the Rangers Youth Academy or certainly a relative of someone at the Rangers Youth Academy. And to his knowledge, the club are certainly going down the route of we want to enter a Colts team into the lower leagues of Scottish football. I think it's well documented. I believe it's in Ross Wilson's five-year plan as well, if I'm not mistaken. So it's definitely something that the club are looking to pursue. But I also spoke to my best pal who um, has literally messaged me right now as I'm talking to say, you better give me a shout out here. So um, my best pal, Andy Scott, literally spent his entire football career in the lower leagues of Scottish football um, at teams like Alloa, Albion Rovers, and then in what was the junior leagues at teams like Shots Bon Accords, for example. So he's, he's, he's certainly a good person to tap into in terms of um, where his mindset's at and he probably reminded me in terms of there's there's two factors here isn't there there's, there's, there's what's best for Rangers now I was quite interested to hear David's point there around you know he doesn't see the benefits of Rangers as a club in terms of us entering a team into the lower leagues of Scottish football I actually completely disagree um, with that and um, probably a shame that David can't really jump in and I'm, I'm sure if I completely controversially disagree with him he will do but <laughs> um, he made a point about playing against men I think right now we loan our players out and they go and they, they you know they train and they play at, at, at clubs in the lower leagues of Scottish football and they're not protected by Rangers um, as a football club um, but the biggest thing for me is when they go to these clubs you're expecting these clubs to train them as you want a Rangers player to be trained and looked after and how a Rangers player would want to be to be to be treated um, when we go down to the third division, for example, we, we have our resources, we've got our facilities and we've got our top coaches to be able to guide these young players. Um, and I, I disagree. I think playing against um, playing against men every week would, would help young players. We've seen so many talented young players who have not really made it out on loan, who the club see as, as huge potential. The one that springs to mind immediately is Jamie Barjonis. You know, one of my mates that's a Partick Thistle fan messaged me the other day saying that Barjonis was absolutely terrible out on loan at Partick Thistle. But he's a player that's that's really highly regarded at Rangers and it probably gives us the opportunity to play these guys in the men's football, coach them how we want to coach them and if they're not good enough, we release them. And to Jim McAnally's point, again, I disagree with David because I don't think we're just developing old firm players. I think we're developing the youth players of Scottish football because, you know, if a Jamie Verjonis isn't good enough for Rangers after coming through the ranks, for example, he will likely go to another team within Scottish football. A bit like Ross McCrory. You know, probably not good enough for our first team just now, but an absolute standout at Aberdeen, who are sitting, you know, I think they're fourth just now, but typically they're sitting third in the league. So we're not just benefiting Rangers and Celtic, we're benefiting Scottish football. But that's the next point, because he reminded me that while we are maybe looking at it from a selfish perspective of the benefits of Rangers, I was interested by your point there around you going along to junior games and whether you'd stop funding, because his point was 
around the impact that it would have on the other clubs. You know, there's 10 teams in the, in the League 2 just now. What would the structure be? Would we increase it to 12? Or would we kick two teams out, for example? Regardless of what happens there, you know, we've seen um, when COVID hit, for example, the influence that Brecon City had, where Brecon City is part of the pyramid structure, didn't go down. Won't get into details. Their chairman, obviously, part of the board of the SPFL, so he had a pretty big say around what happens as part of the, the structure. Um, but Kelty Hearts can feel very aggrieved in terms of not coming up that year mm-hmm. into into the the pyramid scheme, into the, into League Two. But likewise, if Rangers and Celtic did just pay their way in, for example, into into League Two, all these teams that are trying to get into League Two would feel pretty aggrieved. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, you mentioned attendances. Let me give you some stats about attendances, for example, because I I always do my research. So in the season 2019-20, when it was a, a typical season, the highest attendance was Cove Rangers versus Elgin City at 1,264. The lowest was Edinburgh City versus Stenhouse Muir at 194. So there's probably an assumption that Rangers fans would travel to the games, would go in our numbers. Um, I went along to the Dumbarton versus Rangers Colts game in 2017, which for me had a number of... of um, players that I wanted to see so they had Holt from the first team for example captain that night but they had players like Barjonis like McCrory like Hardy like Rudden um, that I was interested to go and see the attendance that night was 389 so I don't know when when you start factoring in the fact it's going to be £18 per ticket considering all these fans are already paying for you know Rangers season tickets MyJers Sky Sports BT Sports Rangers TV would they actually um, go along and, and, and pay for the Rangers Colts to, to watch them. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely think from a, a selfish perspective, it benefits us. I'm not sure it benefits the teams in League Two or particularly the teams that are trying to get into League Two. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Didn't you know it'd be 18 quid a ticket? I'll not be going to that now. <laughs> That's a gig I'll never go into. So, just in terms of Colin, before we, we finish up, so so you're talking there about, you know, Jason Holt was playing that night, you went. So, when does it become when does it become ridiculous? When do you when do you then have three first team players coming back to fitness that are playing against these guys and are head and shoulders above them and are then being opened up not only and I'm not I'm not trying to cast aspersions here that, that they would be targeted. But could potentially be targeted by by players in the lower leagues. Where's the protection for the first team players that potentially are are going to be playing in these? In these would, um, would, they, would they be eligible to play for? The, well, that's 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 my point. That's, really, that's, you know, that's where, where, where do you draw the where where does it? How does it work? Because then where do we get where first team players fit? You know, where, what games do they play in? Yeah, there's a lot of things to that that I think to tie them out. Yeah, you know, it's it's all right sitting here and you know mulling over finer details of it amongst ourselves but I mean there's so much there you go there's one thing I've just brought up off the top of my head that is an issue with the full thing so there's going to be a lot of things that come out and I'll see what I'll repeat what I said earlier I I feel for the the low league teams and I feel for them in the sense of this two big clubs coming in with with money and saying right he, he dangling that money in front of them and saying right we're going to put two teams in that bottom league and I get what you're saying in terms of angels, from a selfish point of view, but uh, there's so much to it that it's really, really difficult. And I think: Are we going to benefit more than the? 
I don't know. It's just it's a difficult. <laughs> it's just a difficult one. I, I, I'm actually it. I'm actually regretting putting this at the end of the agenda. And Maybe I, we should have had this in the middle. And actually, <laughs> what I would say is, I, I, I'm not really, I'm not massively for or against it. I'm just, I'm just merely pointing out inconsistencies and issues that are going to arise from it because I think there will be many. There is a benchmark though, David. My mate Andy's messaged saying the exact same thing as I was thinking. You know, you look at La Liga, for example. Barcelona and Real Madrid have got C teams in, in the lower leagues of Spanish football. And he's texted the exact same thing as I was thinking. You are allowed to play um, your, your, your first team players that are recovering in, in, that, um, in that B team or that Colts team, for example. So, you know, you look at, you look at um, youth football just now. Youth football stopped. And I know third division football has just stopped as well, but youth football was the first thing to go. Um, we wouldn't have the issue right now that we've got right now where our youth players are not playing football. There's a huge challenge just now of, 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 of the young players that are coming through at Rangers, whether they're getting the challenge and the development to break into the first team at some point because they're not playing football, they're just training. And, you know, you know, that would surely be the case if there was a Colts team as well because everything below the, the championship is, is, now, is suspended, yeah. It is now, but the, the youth football was the first league to go. Yeah, it is. It's, it, I'm regretting putting it at the end of the agenda. We should have done this in the middle because <laughs> I think it's the first time in about, certainly in the time that I've done the pod that we've, we've had different views on, on sort of anything. We normally, all, you know, we're all sort of roughly, you know, agreeing and, and it would have been a, an interesting debate. But I'm looking at the time, guys, uh, and we, we need to call it time there. So uh, that's all for this week's episode of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the Independent Rangers Podcast, which is brought to you by Fans for Fans. A big thanks to David and Doogie there. Really interesting at the end. I wish we could have done that more in the middle there and, and really got in a bit of bones of that. Uh, it's maybe something we can come back on in, in future shows. Uh, we'll, we'll try and get a show out moving forward. We'll try and get a show out for Tuesday night to to cover the, the Livingston game. Uh, and we'll obviously have the, the flagship show back next Sunday. And who knows, depending on results, we may even have secured 55 by then. Uh, so get yourself in the meantime onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Uh, until then, guys, as I say every week, stay safe, look after yourselves, and until next time, bye for now.